Welcome to The King's Table, a podcast out of Kings Hill Church in Boston, where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. Today we have our staff with us, Jacob and Kevin, our pastoral associates, and Soraya, our communications team leader. And we're continuing our series on the images of the church, and today we're talking about the church as the bride of Christ. Enjoy. So looking at the church as the bride, um, I want to look at Ephesians 5, 31 through 33, where it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul here is talking about how amazingly deep of a picture marriage is as an image for Christ's love for his church. This picture of one man and one woman joining together is to be a biblical representation of this truth. I think it is important that we recognize that marriage is the microcosm in this imagery. We aren't to look to our marriages here on earth as fallen people and think, how does God look like us? Instead, we should flip that example on our heads. You're starting at the wrong spot if you look at the image of the marriage without looking at what it exemplifies first. We can't just look at some random marriage on this earth and think, Okay, that's a good marriage. Christ's love for the church is like that. Puts a perfect godly love in such a small box. Of course, it is our hope that through our marriages we can display the love of the gospel. But we must look to Christ first. Christ's love for the church was so great he sacrificed himself on the cross for us. So with that imagery in mind, what does it mean for the church to be the bride of Christ? We see in scripture Paul called on husbands to love in the same sacrificial manner in which Christ loved the church his bride. Wives, the church in this case, are to submit to the leadership of Jesus. So as the church, we are called to submit to Christ's perfect and loving guidance over us. So I wanna look, uh, turn over to Kevin um, just to see what does that look like practically? Yeah, I think this, um, this picture of the church as the bride of Christ um, encourages us to press towards holiness. You know, there's sometimes a disputed understanding of why most brides wear a white dress. There's been some research that shows it was custom in the Roman Empire for brides to wear a white tunic as the color white represents purity. But it seems in modern times it wasn't customary to wear a white dress until Queen Victoria of England did so at her wedding. So regardless if our wedding traditions now represent this same idea of purity, the Bible does teach us how we are to be presented as pure to Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, it says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I have betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Uh, this is Paul writing to the church saying, I'm giving you to Christ, you, will to, you are to be this bride. Um, and the idea of um, being this pure virgin is this idea is that we, we commonly now call it sanctification, that we would continually grow in godliness and becoming more Christ-like. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians was teaching not to follow false teachers, but to remember that we were promised to Christ and so we seek purity. I think this takes place in two ways. First, we we do pursue purity individually. We have a responsibility to be uprooting sin from our lives and instead of living in that sin to instead put on holiness. Uh, I think of Paul's words in Ephesians 4 of how we're to put off our old self, uh, to be renewed by the Spirit, and to put on the new. So out of our obedience to God, we should be pursuing holiness. But since we're talking about the images of the church, there's also a definite corporate element to our sanctification. When the church gathers in worship, it sings songs that remind us truth about God. It reminds us about Christ's redeeming work for us. When the word is preached, we are instructed and taught God's word to us. 
that we would apply it and then grow in holiness. As we meet in smaller groups and in discipleship groups, we then challenge each other to go deeper in faith and in holiness. So God hasn't designed us to pursue holiness alone. We need the church to do so. Um, so I want to remind us as well of the, the verse in Revelation 19, verse 7. Uh, it says that when Jesus, the who is the groom, is returning, it tells us that the marriage of the Lamb has come and that the bride has made herself ready. So it is then the bride, the church, is given its pure clothes of fine linen, bright and pure. So it's saying that Christ is empowering us to be pure, but we as the church purify ourselves as well. Just to add on to that, um, Jacob, you started out reading in um, Ephesians 5, starting in verse uh, 31, where it talks about the marriage relationship between Christ and his church. Ephesians 5 and 6 is about submission. Um, wives to husbands, children to parents, and slaves to masters. And before all of this, it talks about submitting to one another as a whole. As members of the church who is Christ's bride, we approach each other with humility because we have a submissive posture towards those whom Christ, or who God has put in our lives. As a wife follows her husband, the church follows Christ. So as we, as a church, should be marked by a submissive spirit. I know the word submission may sound scary, but this is something that sanctifies us so we can be presented as pure before Christ, like Kevin was saying. When I think of submission, I think of three words, humbleness, willingness, and eagerness. Humbleness towards others says, I consider the needs of others greater than my own. Humbleness towards God says he must increase and I must decrease. Willingness says, I make myself available and accessible to you whether that be towards a brother or sister in the faith or towards God. I am willing to put my preferences and my desires aside. And eagerness says, I will follow and I'll do all of it with joy. When we think of ourselves as part of the bride of Christ, would we say that this characterizes us? Oftentimes the wife will take the husband's name. There is something profound about this. This name change communicates that I now belong to him and I'll follow his leadership. Many of us want to take the name of Christian without living in submission to Christ. As his bride, we present every aspect of our lives before him. Are we truly living in a way where everything is presented to our groom? Yeah, you guys have said this so well. By nature of being the bride of Christ, we want to get ourselves ready for that wedding day. We want to grow in holiness and we want to have that submissive spirit as the bride. I, I think there's one more element to the reality of what we're talking about, the church as the bride, which is that we wait with eager expectation for that day when Jesus, our groom, returns for us. You know, around the months of March or April, every time you know these months roll around, you begin to see couples post this 100-day countdown to their summer wedding. Why do they do that? Well, for the past several months, there's been so much planning around this ceremony, so many details that have to be tended to, so many decisions that have to be made, like the venue, the color scheme, the guest list, it goes on and on. You know, I remember planning my wedding with Chelsea, and as the day got closer and closer, it's all I could think about. I'd be taking the train to work, and I'd be imagining her walking down the aisle. Or during work, I'd be dreaming up the wedding gift that I wanted to give her the day of. Yeah, I couldn't wait for our lives to come together. My heart was set on that day. And this is the call for us as believers. We don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is going to return. So there's no countdown on our feeds. 
But we are told that Jesus will come for his bride at any time. Think about Matthew 25, and there's this parable of the ten virgins, and it speaks to this point. It starts off by saying, this is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like. And you have this parable of five virgins who had oil prepared for their lamps. The other five didn't. And so they were all invited to take part of these wedding festivities. And, and the bridegroom came at an inconvenient, unexpected time around midnight. Half of the virgins were ready. They could take part in the festivities and half were not. And Jesus ends his parable with this warning and yet exhortation. And he says, watch therefore, because you neither know the day or the hour. And the point is this, be ready, right? So not just get yourself ready for the wedding day, but be ready. We don't know the appointed day of this great wedding when we're going to be reunited with Jesus. So we're to be ready for when he returns, lest we find ourselves cheating on him by our love affair with the world. So as Christians, we, we live with the eager expectation of our groom's return. Our hearts long for the day when we're united with him. And there's one, there's only one happily ever after. And it's that wedding day of Jesus and his church where eternity follows. So we live every day with that day in mind. glad you could join us at the king's table as we talked about the image of the church as the bride of christ we hope you found this discussion helpful and fruitful if you'd like more information about king's hill church you can find us online at www.kingshillboston.com